time for the Vintage Truth Podcast with best-selling author and Bible teacher, Jeff Kinley. Hey, happy week to you. Welcome to the Vintage Truth Podcast. I'm Jeff Kinley. And, you know, we're talking about God's relationship with Gentile nations. We're going to finish up that, that, uh, that discussion today, but I wanted to give you a heads up about what's going to happen on Friday, the Vintage Truth Podcast. I'm going to talk about suicide on Friday. I'm going to talk about this this rise in suicide that we're starting to see in our country and really to begin to ask some very, very important questions about it. What does God say about suicide? Why do people end their own lives? And what happens to them after that? I mean, what happens to a person who commits suicide? And then most importantly, how, how can a person be helped? Can, can this be prevented? Is it, a, is it a preventable event? And I believe that it is. But I'm going to talk about this very tough and touchy subject on Friday about suicide. What does the Bible say? So we'll look at that on Friday. Look forward to that. Okay, so we're talking about God's relationship with Gentile nations, and we concluded the last broadcast, the last podcast, by talking about the beginning of four principles here uh, that we see in Scripture. And principle number one is that God judges nations based on their moral conscience and national character. And we see that throughout civilization. We see it throughout Scripture and the history that is contained in Scripture. And we covered that in the last uh, podcast. But there's a second principle here I want us to know, and that is, is that Gentile nations are judged based upon their treatment of Israel, of God's covenant nation. Now, you have to understand, there is a difference between the nation Israel and the church, or Israel and Christians. We are not the new Israel as a nation. We have been grafted into the faith that was given to the Israelites. But we're not the nation Israel. We, we aren't promised you know, land and boundaries and that kind of thing. But they are. And, and God says in the Abrahamic covenant that there is a special relationship that nations can have with, the, with Israel, Gentile nations can have with Israel. And that includes America, by the way. So we can't simply ignore the covenant that God made with Abraham, the covenant that is still in existence, because it's practically applicable and perpetually applicable to all countries throughout time and on into the last days. In fact, every nation that deals unjustly with Israel will ultimately suffer the fate of past countries and peoples who did the same thing. And history shows this to be true. You see, upon establishing his covenant with Abraham, God declared that his dealings with the nations would be, be dependent upon their treatment of his covenant people. He makes the rules, y'all. And God says, hey, these are the people I have chosen. You better treat them right. That's what he's saying. And so God says, because of this everlasting, unconditional covenant, it's still in effect today. So America's dealings, Canada's dealings, England, Turkey, Afghanistan, Syria, hey, it doesn't matter who you are. If you treat Israel fairly, God will treat you fairly. If you mistreat Israel, you will also be cursed. That's what God said to Abraham. I will bless those who bless you, 
and I will curse those who curse you. And in fact, God's prophecy that he made through Isaiah concerning Babylon is a chilling reminder of his pledge to curse those nations who mistreat Israel. And listen to what he says here in Isaiah. He says, I was angry with my people and, de- and, de- and desecrated my inheritance. I gave them into your hand and you showed them no mercy. Even on the aged, you laid a very heavy yoke. You said, I am forever the eternal queen. But you did not consider these things or reflect on what might happen. Now then, listen, you lover of pleasure, lounging in your security and saying to yourself, I am and there is none besides me. I will never be a widow or suffer the loss of children. But God says both of these will overtake you in a moment, on a single day, loss of children and widowhood. They will come upon you in full measure, in spite of your many sorceries and all your potent spells. You have trusted in your wickedness and have said, no one sees me. Your wisdom and knowledge mislead you when you say to yourself, I am, and there is none besides me, this pride that nations have. God says disaster will come upon you and you will not know how to conjure it away. A calamity will fall upon you that you cannot ward off with a ransom, a catastrophe you cannot foresee, and suddenly it will come upon you. And if God says that to ancient Babylon, how can we expect a different fate in our world, in our nation, if we turn our backs on Israel? So God says, I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And that's still in effect today. Principle number three, God did not even withhold judgment from his own people, Israel. See, this is a principle here, is that God is a righteous God. He has standards. And he's also obviously very loving and very merciful. But God has boundaries and God has lines that he says, you don't cross this line. Hey, Adam and Eve, you don't listen to your heart and do whatever you want to do. Because I outrank you, God says. So do not eat from that tree or there will be consequences. You will offend my holy character. You will offend my righteousness. You'll offend my justice. And you will offend your relationship with me. So everything's cool as long as you act like the subject and let me be the king. As long as you act like the creation, let me be the creator. As long as you act like the child, let me be the father. Everything will be cool. But you see, God didn't even withhold judgment from his own covenant people, and he doesn't withhold discipline from his own children today. So if God does this to Israel, why would a godless Gentile nation, like ours, by the way, be spared judgment? When the people of Israel disobeyed, God disciplined them. Sometimes he sent other nations in to oppress them, to conquer them or subjugate them. So what's, what's God going to do with countries who openly and proudly reject and defy him? You see, God only disciplines those that he cares about. I mean, we know that in our relationship with God. Hebrews 12 says, the Lord lo- whom the Lord disciplines, excuse me, whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. So he says, if, if you're not being disciplined by God, corrected, shown the right way, you know, that type of thing, then you don't belong to him, it says. So that's his relationship with Christians. He also had that relationship with the nation Israel. So if that's true, why would he let other nations just simply do whatever they want to do? God says that that's not how this thing works. 
And so there are certain expectations that God has, and his judgment sometimes comes upon nations because of the fact that, um, that they have crossed boundaries that God has set. And, you know, we read about in Romans chapter 1 <clears throat> some very clear moral boundaries that both people, people groups, societies, nations, countries violate. And when we begin to violate God's standard, first of all, by rejecting the revelation that is given to us from within, from our conscience, from the the inner conscience that God gives us regarding right and wrong, and of course the fact that we all know that there is a supreme being, even though we, we try to deny it. We, we spend our lives trying to deny the reality of God when we know he's there. And when we deny what God has revealed about himself in creation, then Romans chapter 1 says, then, okay, basically what you did, you, you just unscrewed the light bulb in the room at night. And when you unscrew the light bulb, you are in the dark. And you may think that you know what's going on, but, but you're in a, a world that has no light bulb. You're in a nation that has no light bulb. You're in a a people group or in your own life that has no light in your life. And God says, when that happens, guess what you do? You begin to speculate about what is there in the darkness. And so you make up stuff. You make up stuff about about creation and about man's origin, about morality, sexuality, marriage, relationships, gender, You just make it up. And that's why when you're making up your own reality, your own world that you live in, then you begin to trust in your own thoughts. And when you trust in your own thoughts, you're led down a rabbit hole. And that rabbit hole leads you to really stupid places. Places that where you say things like, well, if I think I am a woman and I'm really biologically a man, then I must be a woman. If I believe with all my heart in this darkness that there is a reality that exists out there in the darkness or in my own heart, my dark heart, then it must be true. And that's exactly what that passage says. It says their foolish heart was darkened. And yet the irony of that whole thing is that the very next verse says, professing themselves to be wise they become fools. In other words, the, the self-deception that comes with unscrewing the light bulb of God's revelation, the self-deception that, that weighs in, talk about blowback. I mean, oh my gosh. What happens is, is that you begin to think you actually know more than someone who has the light bulb. You actually think you know more than you would know if the light was shining in the room or in the country. So you, you think you're wise. You, you seriously think you're wise. And all these people in our culture that claim to have this moral superior intellect and they think that they're taking the moral high ground and they're hijacking Christian values like tolerance and love and compassion and all these things and inclusiveness and unity They hijack these values and think they're smarter than the Bible. Think they're smarter than God. And God says in that verse, he says, you you think you're wise. You think you're smart, don't you? 
But God says, you know what I call you? I call you a fool. That's what that verse says. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. It's the Greek word moros. We get our word moron from. Hey, guess what? That's the stupidity of sin. That's the stupidity of rejecting God. And when a nation begins to collectively reject God, and, and it's not just about, you know, majority. It's, oh, you know, 64% of the people believe it. It's not just about majority. It's about who's, who's driving this machine. You know, you can be in a car with six people, but if only one person is behind the wheel, they're in control. You're just a passenger, even though you outnumber the driver. So it's not about how many people there are promoting an anti-God agenda, an anti-Christian agenda. It's about who's in charge. And guess what? Satan controls. He's the prince of the power of the air. He controls basically what goes on in media and on the Internet. He, he is the God of this world, 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says. Prince of the power of the air, Ephesians chapter 2. He's the devil. He's the deceiver. He's the slanderer. He's the adversary. And he has been given a very long leash. God is over it all. God is still sovereign and in control. Don't get me wrong. But Satan has been given a time, and he's taking advantage of this time. So principle number three, God didn't withhold judgment from his own people, Israel, so he's certainly not going to withhold it from Gentile nations. Here's a final principle, and it's a very, it's an exciting principle. Here it is. Number four, God's judgment fell on Jesus Christ at the cross so that all the nations could be blessed. That's why God said to Abraham, he said, Abraham, because of my promise to you, in you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And of course, that's a prophecy about the gospel and the coming of Jesus Christ. Is that people from every nation and every tribe, every tongue, every language would be blessed. In fact, that's exactly what the Bible tells us in Revelation. Let me read to you just quickly what God says in Revelation uh, beginning with chapter, well, chapter 5 of Revelation. So they sang a new song that says, Worthy are you to take the book to break its seals, for you were slain and you purchased for God with your blood men from every tribe and every tongue and every people and every nation. Over in Revelation uh, 7, it says, Verse 9, After these things I looked and behold great multitudes, which no one could count, from every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white and palm branches were in their hands and they were crying out with a loud voice singing a new song, Salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. You see, because of God's promise to Abraham, because of God's covenant relationship with one nation, all the nations of the earth can be blessed. How cool is that? So as a person, as a people group, as a race, as a nation, as a country, we're not destined or predestined just to be wicked. We actually get to have a choice in this thing. That's, that's the, the divine antinomy, the divine conundrum, the, the seemingly paradoxical 
truth that we face when we see, okay, God's in control, but at the same time we get a choice. Yeah, yeah. But here's the thing, is that God says we can be blessed. Nations can be blessed if they will turn, if they will recognize and acknowledge God. You see, the Bible is the story of redemption, of the redemption of mankind through the Jewish Messiah, Jesus Christ. We as Gentiles, if you're not a Jew, we as Gentiles are the beneficiaries of that story. And the good news of that redemption, where is it found? Well, it begins in the Abrahamic covenant. Since that time, since the time of Abraham the patriarch, the promise of salvation was passed down through the ages. And because of the cross, the resurrection, because of Pentecost, salvation spread to all throughout Jerusalem, to Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. Then it went from Asia Minor, eventually make its way to Rome, and eventually to the rest of Europe, including a little country called England. And we know that our first colonists were Christians from England as Americans. So America's gospel heritage is a chain of faith traced back to a promise made to a nomadic pilgrim around 1900 BC. Is that not amazing? So the way of life now that we Americans have enjoyed is a direct result of biblical ideals and principles embedded in our founding as a nation. And building upon that foundation is the gospel's positive influence on the United States throughout history. And and also, the United States has been the primary propagator of the gospel throughout the world. We, we financed the spread of the gospel throughout the world. We've sent missionaries out. We are perhaps more responsible for the spread of the gospel than any other nation, obviously, in modern history. That's principle number four. Jesus took the judgment, man. We don't have to. That's the beauty of the grace of God. So as we talk about all these things about righteousness and judgment and how nations are falling, it doesn't have to be that way. Scripture says, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And obviously he was speaking primarily about Israel in that passage. But righteousness exalts a nation. And yet sin is a disgrace to any people. And I say that during what they've called Pride Month, Gay Pride Month in our country. A whole month of people celebrating the sin of homosexuality. Righteousness exalts a nation. God will exalt a nation that is righteous. But sin will disgrace a nation and will bring God's judgment. And so, yeah, does God have a relationship with Gentile nations? You better believe he does. He has a special relationship with Israel. But those Gentile nations that exist on the earth today and throughout time, they all have a choice to make. And if you're a Christian, you are the light in your nation. You are the light to shine the glory of the gospel of God. You know, there's some 22 countries that are listening to this podcast right now. And every person who's listening, I don't care where you're from, whether it's the, the Philippines or Russia or Israel, wherever you, you are in some of those nations that are listening, you get to be the light. Just, hey, keep that light bulb screwed in, man. Keep, the, keep the, the light switch on and shine the light of the good news of Jesus Christ to your world, to your country, to your family, to your friends, and be Jesus Christ. 
in places that no one's ever seen him before. That's the good news. And the great news is, is that you get to be his vessel. Hey, thanks for joining me on the Venice Truth Podcast. Remember on Friday, we're going to talk about this very sensitive subject about suicide. I hope you'll tune in. Until then, God bless and shine his light. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Truth Podcast. Please subscribe and share with a friend. For more about Jeff's ministry, go to jeffkinley.com.